You're listening to the Fat Dude Digs Flicks Movie Podcast Network. And now, the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. And salutations, everyone, and welcome to an all-new episode of the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake. Uh, this is a little different this time. Uh, we are not engaging over the Zoom uh, computer program. We are in person recording with our very first special guest. Before I get to that, though, I have to introduce... My vivacious, my glorious, my big brain energy, Captain Dad himself, Blake Ginnethan. Blake, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. Uh, it's chubby dude, Dick's Flicks, to, to, to the world. <laughs> Blake, this is, this, is, this is fun for me, because this is the combination of a lot of different ideas that we've been kind of kicking around for... Like the last year, year, yeah. long time, where originally this whole concept was going to be us in person, yeah. But pandemic schedule, trying to figure out a place to record, that didn't happen until today, yeah. With this very special screening that we were privy to, but I'll get to that in a second. I like doing this little like, hey, I, I, we'll talk about that, but let me get this out of the way first. Like I said a few seconds ago, a few minutes ago. We have a special guest today, Mr. Derek Vernick. Derek, how you doing, buddy? Uh, doing great, guys. Thank you for having me. I, that was going to be my first up question, by the way, was, am I the first guest on the Criterion Break the podcast? The very first guest you on the are. Criterion Break, yeah. Yep. And I think we've kind of talked about somewhere down the road having guests on, but I think a lot of it is just... We're just kind of fly by the seat of our pants and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, we uh, we definitely have not had a solid schedule as of late. <laughs> it's true. So it's, it's, it's even harder to actually schedule a guest when we can't even schedule ourselves on. But this is the first time that we actually will have two episodes back to back. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is craziness. Yeah. But when things like that happen, there has to be a reason. So let's get to what that reason is. We are doing a Criterion Break here again. Uh, first off, if this is the first time you've ever listened to the Criterion Break, this is where I and Blake Ginnethan share our love for the Criterion Collection. We talk about all things Criterion proper and the Criterion channel. And just kind of get a second for us to really go off on on this thing that we love. Um, we're going to kind of... This, this episode's going to be a little bit different because instead of talking about what we've watched before, what's coming out, we're just going to dive right into the featured title. And I think that's just because we, we just did one. <laughs> so we've got to keep the ball rolling. Yep. Uh, and there were no new, uh, no new releases uh, announced this week. They'll Tomorrow. come out on Monday, so we'll we, we'll just wait. We'll wait. We'll we'll be back for another Criterion break before that, I'm sure. But so we have assembled these forces today for a Criterion break episode on a film that we just saw at the Sioux Falls State Theater, our home away from home. 
that isn't work, and that is Akira Kurosawa's Ikaru. Uh, this is the second time that I've seen this movie, but I think for the, the gentleman joining me today, I think this was both of your first times that, seeing this? You are correct, That sir. is 100%. Right. Yeah, so I kind of want you guys to, to start things off here. I want to know... How did you feel about this movie? First off, I think it was super cool, uh, as always, that we kind of get this opportunity to see films like this on the big screen here in Sioux Falls, because I don't think I ever would have imagined no, that. No. Derek and I were talking beforehand, and it was just like, man, we're going to watch Akiru right? in Sioux Falls on a big screen, and yeah. I never would have thought in the first five months of this theater being open that we would have been given that opportunity. Yeah. Or, or even six months ago, thinking... We'd have that opportunity, right? Right. Because right, I, I I think maybe I think Derek and I've had lots of discussions about mm-hmm. what's been playing here, what's what kind of come here, but like it feels, I don't think you and I, any of us really uh, thought that we would be getting these kinds of movies in the first maybe even year of them right. like open. It's all about trying to to uh, establish out, yourself, establish yeah. themselves, especially during a pandemic. Uh, and so it's just you know this is icing on the cake for me. Yeah, it's it's you know when when this theater was was uh, uh, slated to be open and and had all of the the opening announcements, they of course mentioned that they were going to showcase a lot of classic American films mixed in with some modern ones and some family oriented films. But I don't think they ever really stressed that you know there was a chance that they would be playing um, a lot of uh, international cinema yeah. and especially ones that have. The reputation that like this one does, um, so yeah, I, I just think this is. I think we're super lucky here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is like maybe the sixteenth or seventeenth Criterion film they've shown since they've been open. It's at least fifteen. Yeah. It's definitely it's the third one I've seen this weekend, and we're gonna <laughs> so. and we're and we're getting one next weekend too. Right. So uh, that's also very exciting. Yeah, it's just it's it, quite it's, different. It it really uh, lends itself to us doing this podcast more. I would yeah. say that's for sure. <laughs> did, I, I, did I miss it? Did you mention that we're actually recording in the state theater? Oh, we are. I, I don't think I did say that. We are recording in the state theater. We are in one of the offices here, uh, just so that they can get ready to gear up for the next show. Um, but yeah, they were kind and gracious enough to to let us. Um, have this space to record to have, so that we can have a conversation about this movie. I'm still spitting out popcorn seeds from the movie. Uh, that's how fresh it is. <laughs> Derek points it out for me there. I got it. Got it. Uh, but yeah, guys, I want to kind of know what are your initial thoughts on Akira Kurosawa's Ikaru? Um, should we hand it off to, to Derek since he's I, the. I think so. Since he's the yeah. newbie on the show? Yeah, yeah. So I, I will be blunt uh, right up front. Not only was this my first time viewing this particular movie, this was my first time seeing any Akira Kurosawa movie. Wow. So, an inaugural experience into his filmography for me. So, I I did not know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I mean, and even knowing the premise of the movie, of a man who learns he's terminally ill with stomach cancer, you get impressions about the kind... If that was a premise in a 2021 American movie... You would have certain impressions about how that would be uh, very much in the inspirational feel-good aspect. Mm -hmm. And this movie, of course, has a much different bent toward it. Still recognizing the weight of the storytelling material Mm -hmm. that is in play here. But doing it in a way that is motivational and does have a call to action, if you will. Um, But also 
navigate it with some very interesting uh, story structure um, yeah. that we'll definitely get into here yeah. too. Yeah, I, 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 I'm. There's part of me that's like, oh man, I wish, <laughs> I wish this one wasn't your first Kurosawa movie. But there's also that because you haven't had the chance to see some of the other ones, where it's kind of like, oh well, this is what I'm getting into. This is what this is. I mean, so, first Kurosawa on the yeah. big screen, like, yeah, that's pretty. You can't special. really, yeah, yeah, you can't really, you can't really go wrong. But yeah, we'll we'll dive a little deeper into your your exact feelings towards this. But Blake, I'm curious for you yeah. as well. Uh, I, I'm like Derek. Yeah. Uh, I've seen many Kurosawa films. Sure, uh, Kurosawa does two things well: uh, samurai and bureaucracy. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> this falls into the latter. And, yeah. and uh, you know, this is my uh, first first time watching me, like you said earlier. I, I I thought it was really good. Yeah, didn't love it. Yeah, uh, I admit I, I was a little tired, so I did sh- did some shut eye a little bit. Uh, a couple of scenes, so uh, maybe my opinion isn't as as uh, on point as it should be. But uh, I enjoyed it. I, the, the, la- the last hour I found fascinating. Really? Okay. Yes. Uh, based purely on the fact of its structure. Sure. Um, re- really interesting last half. Yeah. I found the whole thing really interesting. I w- well, I don't. Whenever you want to get to it, but like the opening part of it reminded me of a little bit of a Christmas Carol. Okay. Yep. So yep. Uh, we can get into that in a little later, but um, yeah, uh, I'm just uh, excited. I got to see a Kurosawa on the big screen. I, I, I thought it would be Rashomon or Seven Samurai first, but um, I'm not going to complain about a Kiru. Yeah, this was a this was an interesting one to start off with. Um, so as we were watching this film, uh, the first two sections because I feel like you can kind of break this movie into chunks, and you've got him kind of realizing what he's dealing with and making this kind of transition to like oh I, I I'm just sad and I, I but that stranger t- uh, kind of shows him how to how to be alive and then the second chunk for me is when he meets the the the, the co-worker and kind of they go on their own little adventure together right and then the third part is you know spoiling a 67 <laughs> almost 70 year old movie listen it's about a guy <laughs> who has terminal cancer yeah so so the third part of the movie is after he's passed away and kind of having his former co-workers and family kind of reflect upon the last i think five, five months, months of his life um for me the first two sections of this movie really cook like i really really enjoy the first two sections of this Maybe that's just because there's a little bit more, a little bit more sentimentality to it that you can really kind there's of. There's more on the line, I think. Yeah. In the, in the, the first part. Yeah. You know. And then once it gets to the third part, it it doesn't lose me completely, but there, it's working with a different kind of energy, which, which I think we'll we'll talk about a little bit here, because instead of it being through his perspective and him living his life, it is the it's the people around him over the last five months of his life that are kind of looking back at the things he did and kind of seeing, you know, oh, well, why did he do this? Why did why did this change? And then finally kind of realizing why this change happened and then kind of promising to themselves that they were going to make a change to follow in his footsteps and then inevitably not not the case. So you guys had both mentioned that the structure of that that last act there <laughs> And I'm curious, where do you where do you want to go with that, Derek? What 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 thoughts do you have on that third act? I mean, I, I think this goes a little bit back toward as I'm kind of watching the movie play out here, because you kind of mentioned the first act where it's like the showing him how to live, mm-hmm. and that alone could be the full premise of a movie with the story material. Yeah. And so getting through that first act, I'm wondering, like, this is I where are they going to go with this? To your point, you said yeah. 
in a way we know how it's going to end you know in the very basic sense but how is it going to actually navigate through those waters and so when you get to that i think was it 90 minute mark or whatever when when the narrator goes oh and five months later he died yeah and cuts the wake um a part of me is like ooh, very interesting choice here Mm -hmm. um you know because you could easily have it as a structure where it's like you could make the third act of this movie like just showing it narratively you know him living out his final weeks months etc right you know Navigating through this bureaucracy, which you do get, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a you know by juxtaposing it in the way that where that mostly plays out in flashback, gives to the point where you're kind of you know reflect upon you know the other flip side of this, which is the thought of your legacy. Yeah. Um, you know, when you encounter you know, and that's a common thought you have when you're heading you know into you know your final days is you start thinking about okay. What have I done in this world? You know, what state am I going to leave this? And, you know, what will be my lasting impression left upon the people that I, you know, family, friends, co-workers, etc. Um, and so it's fascinating that Kurosawa takes that turn to have it see this man's life through all these people's eyes, you know, in this, you know, wild, unorganized, you know, time fractured, you know, look back at these days yeah 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 i think it it like you said the, there's the the legacy of it all the the notion that you know once we're gone it's our our life plays out through the people who knew us and the people who interacted with us and the memories that that carry on our are are through their perspective and i think what that third act does is it kind of says you know, instead of just playing straightforward that this is how he lived out those five months, this is how people viewed him living out those five months and trying to put the pieces together of what that all meant. Blake, I'm curious, what are what are your thoughts on well, the structure switch? I uh, I loved it. Sure. And I I really feel like I can't add anything better than what Derek said. Yeah. Um, the it reminded me of uh, a saying I once heard that everyone dies twice. You die when you die and your body perishes. And then you die when the last person who remembers you dies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's all about legacy and what we leave behind and how we influence people. And, you know, like, having a kid has definitely made me look in the mirror and realize, like, am I doing the best that I can or am I the best person that I can be? And so uh, it's really interesting to watch a movie uh, do that uh, where it sort of takes out, you know... The uh, it takes out our through line of the store of the story, the person that we're you know sort of empathizing with, and, and then it flips that, and we're now having to relive this guy's life and legacy through other people's eyes and, and see uh, what they think about him. And I'm I'm curious uh, how true those stories actually are. I was I was just thinking that I was wondering if that narrative flip, if that puts it in kind of an unreliable narrator uh, perspective. Yeah. And is it like... Because we do have an actual narrator in the movie. Yes. And I really like that there was... He only narrated maybe like a couple of... Like, you could maybe argue it was the actual act switching that was being done. Um, So I like that that was kept to a minimum. Um, So I'm curious how accurate we are... uh, The information we're given based on the fact that the, the narrator isn't the one who's giving us that information. Are, are there moments from those flashbacks, and I can direct this to, to either one of you, uh, are there moments during those flashbacks where you feel like there's the, 
I guess the inconsistency of memory where that really comes into play and you're kind of like did this did that did this really happen did it happen like this well I mean part of part of the through line in you know the second and third acts of the movie are you know when he's you know when he's starting to hang out with his co-worker and everybody's instinctively going to oh well that's his mistress of mm-hmm. course it is you know that's just what it is and stuff like that um, so that's one of the building blocks for me there but you also kind of see within that third act is kind of them in real time trying to parse out this mystery of did did he know that he had terminal stomach cancer yeah. you know what what did he and didn't he know and did that fuel what he did in terms of trying to get the park made and stuff like that yeah and they they in each of those memories he does say like at the end of the the scene it's like i don't have much time and it's kind of like you wonder if that happened, but I think, you know, getting to hear everybody tell their story of, oh, I do remember that mm-hmm. when he was at the end, he did say this. Do you think that's them kind of borrowing that notion to tell this story? Or do you genuinely think that that's, that maybe he was in that phase where he, he was letting them know that he knew? I don't think he was... I, I think in regards to what we actually see in here... Mm-hmm. It's just our, our uh, Watanabe, our, our, our hero, our protagonist, basically kind of like not telling them he has you know little time left. He's just sort of like talking to himself like, yeah. I have a little time left to do yeah. this. And so that is sort of what I, that's what I got out of it. Sure. And I, and I think that's, I think that's a, a, a good perspective on it because yeah. it is. It's, it's him vocalizing what he's internally feeling. And I also thought it was like maybe... Kurosawa looking at like we we maybe don't actually hear people until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, or like, or see them for yeah. that matter for, yeah. for what they're what they're trying to yeah. put out into the world. Um, I, I I kind of wonder a little bit too. There are a couple of different mysteries going on there at the end that they're trying to solve. Not not maybe maybe mysteries is the wrong word, but the first point is a debate where they are talking about that. You know, he was the one who got this park made. And then it feels like they're all really trying to defend themselves. Like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is how it works. And I put in this effort to get this park built. I put in this effort to get this park built. And then I think as they kind of transition to all view these stories of the work that he put in to get this park built, that's when their memory of him really starts to to change. They really start to honor him. Do you feel like, because it, it, it works its way to the, the point where they decide that they're not going to live their lives like this anymore, that they want to try and, you know, when they when something comes to their, their attention, that they want to kind of stand on their own two feet to make a difference. Clearly, the next scene after that is them not. Going on assumption, <laughs> going on pure speculation, does it stay like that in your eyes? Or is there... Is there something, does the right issue have to come across their desk to make them try and do something different? Well, I, I think the issue is whether you're, you have little time left or mm-hmm. not. You know, yeah. I, I really think that the po- maybe one of the points is, is that y- you don't f- see what's important to you until it's t- maybe too late. Right. And uh, these guys clearly were not pushed to the, their edge you know, or, or like you know, uh, a life-changing situation to where they really wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I think it's. Uh, I th- also, I loved how they were all like, "It was my idea. It was my idea. I did this." When like the first ha- the first 
t- ten minutes, there's a montage where they're all like, "Nope, you got to go yep. there. You got to go yep. there. You got to go there." Right. <laughs> the the movie does a really good job of reflecting upon itself and kind of circling back to yeah. some, some key points. Yeah. It does that quite a bit. Um, you know, we, we we've talked about the ending, and I think that's because that's clearly the freshest thing for us. We just got out of the movie. That kind of stands out to us. But let's let's backtrack a little bit here. Little bit here. Um, maybe some of the side characters there. He 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 encounters some people after he gets this news that have an impact on his life, including the stranger at the bar. Have you had any adventures where <laughs> you meet these strangers in your life, and suddenly what you expected to happen doesn't happen, and you feel? Enriched because of it. I know you do, Blake, and I want to. I want to hear you tell that story. But I'm curious, Derek. Any any encounters like that where where you've had these just random experiences that have kind of helped shape you or things you want to do? In real life, no. However, um, one of my odd little side genres of movies that I that I do enjoy is what I call the into the night movie, where you've got like this, you know, like buttoned up, you know, or repressed character, you know, who finds, you know, this wild card person out there and then they go through all adventures, you know. know. you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I call it Into the Night because I, my favorite movie from that genre is John Landis' Into the Night. But obviously After Hours yeah. came out um, okay. in that same year that basically hits a lot of that same territory. You can make cases for like Super Bad and all that sort of stuff. Miracle Mile. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, not real life experience, although I envy it whenever I do see it on the big screen. So. Yeah, yeah, and and Blake, I I, I I laid down the carpeting on this one. I've got a few because yeah. uh, because you you mentioned something. I think it was even just this past week on social media, uh, talking about an encounter that you had with someone. And yeah, just, I wasn't even gonna bring that story up, but um, I've I've had, I had a, I've had a few, and all of them have been on traveling. Uh, yeah, I um, my wife and I were in London a few years ago, and. Uh, we we were at a at a at a pub, and we we met this guy, and he didn't speak a lick of English, and so uh, I had to, I had to type everything out on Google Translate, and he did the same, and we just switched phones, and uh, like long story short, we're still friends, we're, we still talk on Facebook, yeah. and uh, hope to make it to Argentina someday to visit his hometown and everything, but uh, the the one where it was an actual not 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 an actual but like. Uh, a more of an into the night. I didn't know, didn't expect sure. this to happen. Um, my wife and I were just talking about this last night. Actually, we went to Reykjavik uh, a few years ago, uh, the capital of Iceland. And um, our last night there, we're just like, let's let's just go out for a drink. We're flying home tomorrow. They actually have a bar in downtown Reykjavik that is entirely inspired by the Big Lebowski. It's called Lebowski Bar. They have quotes all over the wall. It's bowling alley themed inspired really cool um we ended up meeting a girl from canada and a guy from india yeah he was working in dubai he was on vacation in reykjavik and we just kept drinking and kept drinking and kept drinking uh my bar tab was three hundred dollars um and then this we we drank until about three or four in the morning and then we just we found our way into the street where we met more people, and we just kept going all over Reykjavik, walking and like looking for the next action. Sure. And while like my life was really never in danger, I never got put in plaster of Paris or anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we came back to our hotel at about uh, five or six in the morning, uh, completely hungover. I threw up a lot. 
um, and uh, it's something I'll never forget. Yeah, it's it's funny when when these things happen. I've never had a situation where it was with a stranger or where it was like I felt like my life was in danger or anything like that. But I had it a time in in college, my my first collegiate go around, where you know I had been drinking, one of my my roommates had been drinking, and for some reason. We just we were at this point where it was like if we were in the same room together. I've never been in a fight before. I've never been violent before. But at that moment, if we were in the same room together, something would have happened. So I had one of my friends who took me with her, and we went driving around. Uh, I, she was sober, thank thank God. Uh, but driving around Plano and Dallas, Texas, from uh, like nine o'clock at night to two o'clock in the morning and just stopping at random places. She went to go to her place of work and see what coworkers were working. We went like there was a, a group of like trucks parked in a parking lot somewhere. We pulled up next to them, just started having random conversations with them. And it was just this weird experience that it was like, I don't remember the specifics. Mm-hmm. I don't remember anybody that I met. None of that, none of that mattered. But there was this, this feeling of like, this is a moment in my life that I'm just going to live, live in that moment and kind of enjoy that moment. And I don't know that the idea of that stuck with me for for years because I'm a, sometimes I'm a timid person. Sometimes I'm a person that kind of is like, oh, I don't need to live every moment to I don't fullest. believe that, but okay. <laughs> I'm, I, I, maybe timid's the wrong word. I'm not, I'm not shy. But I think there's a, a hesitancy to sure. me. I think where it's like... Yeah, uh, those nights feel almost apocalyptic. Right? Right? And it's just, it's kind of like... Because in a way, it's like, there's no one else around. There's no one else that exists. It's yep. just you two, or you three, or whomever. And, right. And uh, it's like, you're you're not parting, but you're sort of like living up that night as best you can. And like, you know it's going to end at some point, And you know you might not have another one like it. Mm-hmm. And I think I think for for Watanabe in this film to 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 bring it back to the movie, there is this definite feeling of like you know this is a stranger. He's just met a stranger. The stranger's going to help him sh- uh, learn how to live. And they go to these clubs. They go to this you know uh, uh, various bars and and random encounters that I don't think Watanabe would ever have been on had had this not happened to him. And I don't know. I don't know if the film necessarily fleshes it out so much that he is fully going to continue on adventures like this. I think I think his focus changes because it's such a short amount of time and then it jumps to that 5 month gap where it's like, you know, maybe the the adventures are gone, but him at least focusing on something to live for. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of becomes the goal. Yep. Um the second character that he kind of encounters that's kind of like a... Uh, uh, companion. Yeah, companion, is the, the co-worker um, who is, you know, on her way to quit her job and suddenly they just become quick friends. Um, thoughts on that relationship? We'll start with you, Derek. I don't really have a question. I just figure yeah. we'll get some general thoughts there. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, obviously she's coming into this section, you know, with her... New, I mean, this is hinted at the office sequences, you know, you know when he when Watanabe is already away, absent from work, and she's like, "I want to resign. I got to get this form stamped, and the guy who needs to stamp this form, you know, he's gone. So I got so he's got she's got to reach out to him to get that stamp so she can move on with her life, you know, because and she freely admits, of course, like, I'm sick of this office job. You know, I want to do something, you know, more vibrant in life. And then we come to find out that 
that life is making these automatic little bunny rabbits, um, which you would think would be a little crushing, but she says, like, it's like I'm meeting every little baby here making in the city. with everyone in Tokyo. Yeah. 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 yeah, it's a really sweet thought, and I think part of her kind of youthful innocence and, and, and youthful energy makes that feel very, very genuine, and I think she certainly enjoys that job more than yeah, filing paper. And also, I feel like Watanabe is probably seeing this young person be like, I don't want to do this. And he's like, well, hell, wh- yeah, why didn't I do this earlier, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so he wants to spend as much time with her as possible to yeah. maybe feel inspired. Yeah. What's... Uh, so so she turns up, and, and, and they, they, they become closer friends. And this kind of starts a... Uh, behind-the-scenes gossip going on, because now she is perceived as his mistress, and the son and daughter-in-law kind of view it that way, the maid views it that way, and then, of course, that kind of escalates so that the people that, you know, uh, he's working with, and I, maybe I'm wrong on that, because I can't remember if they mentioned that, that she's in existence before the wake, uh, if they if they know of her until it gets brought up at the wake, or if it's if if I can't remember, I just watched I the movie. Like it, I feel like it got mentioned amongst his son, sure. but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Among the rest of them, yeah, yeah. I wonder if if it's this um, this this is a, 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 a definitely a reflection, probably on a, a cultural thing that that I'm not privy to but I think that there is I think it is something that kind of bleeds over into uh, American culture as well where the older man you know once he's on his on his deathbed or even not even just he's older he's single and he uh, surrounds himself with younger women he gets this reputation of, of you know being a little bit of a playboy uh, but here it's in this film it's kind of I would I would say a little more frowned upon. Am I am I right in that assessment, or am I kind of? It's certainly not spoken with in positive terms. Sure, that's for sure. Sure, and I I just kind of wonder. It's like, is it? Do they do they care? Do you think they care solely because of the inheritance, or do you think they care because of the the image that it presents, or is there that chance that they care because she's not going to look after him for anything more than just his money? Boy, I don't know. Um, if I had to make a guess, I mean, obviously with their little section of the movie, the inheritance is the thing they keep talking about. Mm-hmm. So you could make a step to that, but you could interpret it any of those ways. Yeah, yeah. What are some other parts of this this movie that you guys are drawn to, to, to put some more thought into? I, I, I love two scenes, and they're directly correlated to one another. I love the scene where he they're at the bar, and someone's playing a piano and he starts singing and everyone stops and listens to him. And I, then I think he, th- he sings the same song yep. at the yep. end, yep. On the, which is the iconic cover of the Criterion Blu-ray, um, where he's sitting on the, uh, the swing yeah. in the snow. Uh, those, yeah. And then also I do love the, the like their night out sequence. Mm-hmm. You know me, Andy, I love a good night out sequence. Yes. Um, <laughs> especially in Tokyo. Um, yeah. But... Um, and then I love when uh, he has the girl out, and she's sort of like, "What do you want from me? Like, this is I don't I don't want to be near you." And then there's a birthday party in the background. Yeah, and I thought that was really interesting. And, and that's a big recurring theme through both of these, you know, like out on the town pieces. Like, 
you've got your characters in the foreground, but there's always this large, elaborate action going in the background. Not like just the birthday party right? stuff, yeah. but, going on. but yeah. like, like the herd of people on the dance floor. Which was incredible yeah. shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, just really, uh, my mind instantly went to, because of the world that we're living in, was like, this isn't going to happen right now because COVID. Like, we're not going to be able to have these swarms around. But it was just this, like, everybody wanted to go out. Everybody wanted to go here, have a good time. And it just filled the screen with people so tightly packed. Mm-hmm. And it was. It was, for me, it was this idea of, while they are dealing with their or, or, or Watanabe is dealing with his life and whatever is impacting his life and the character that he's directly interacting with at that time, life for everyone else is going on. And it sure seems like everyone else is having a very good time while he's still trying to reckon with that idea of, can I? Can I have a good time? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think, I think he gets there for him. I don't. I don't think you know. I don't necessarily know that during those that five months that he continued to go out to a bar or to dance or anything like that for for good fun. But I think he found his purpose and his goal, and then pursues that as as the film progresses. I want to go back to the the song because I kind of wonder if do you think that his and and this might be very obvious, but do you think that his perspective changes as he's singing that song or or his purpose kind of changes while he's singing that song like as he's singing it the first time the memories that are coming to mind you know clearly he has tears like in down uh, coming from his eyes while he sings that song in the bar at the end do you think it's kind of a resolved rendition he of seems that happier song? yeah do you don't disagree i mean i mean he's he's swinging on the swings yeah. you know yeah. i mean it's true you know which, which in his own way is which in his own way is kind of you know Reverting back to the past, yeah. in a way. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's. I, I think he's more content. He's, he's like okay with. I've accomplished this. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at, at first, the first time he sings it, would you would you think it's more of a lament, more of like? Of course. Yeah. Oh, I mean, mournful. Tears in his eyes and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. I I. He's surrounded by people who are having fun, and, and at the end, he's by himself singing. Yeah. yeah. And I I agree. I think those those two moments are some of the. Two of the most iconic moments of the film. Uh, they're the ones that kind of stop everything. You know, everything stops, and you really want to hone in on 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 what you're watching. I think they're mm-hmm. just really marvelous scenes. Derek, anything else about this film that you yeah. want to dive into? Yeah, a few quick things. Um, one, obviously, the first 15 minutes of this movie or so, when it's real into heavy bureaucracy, is bad territory. Just the way that this office is set up with mountains of bundles of documents in the background and piles on the desk and people peeking out from behind them to fit them all in the same shot as well as the montage you know of those citizens trying to get the sewage issue uh resolve that go through literally like 20 different departments getting the runaround um you know really drills that point into your head but obviously a big element of this movie um, the other thing I wanted to comment on real quick is, you know, we've talked a, you know, we've talked a lot about Watanabe, but I want to focus on just the physical performance mm-hmm. that's occurring here because I think that's a huge way, you know, because the way he just presents himself, you know, hunched over, you know, face pointed to the ground, you know, just that inherent sadness yeah. uh, from minute one and the way it, you know, emanates through the rest of it. I mean, it's. It's an arresting thing to see, you know, throughout, you know, the first 
you know throughout this movie yeah um that really gets you into his mindset um you know or just where he's come down to at this point in his life juxtaposed with the very fleeting flashbacks to you know the early days you know like you know him being happy for his son at the baseball game for example and just showing in very quick succession you know that shift you know just that juxtaposition you know of the glory days versus this so yeah it it's it's there's there's a moment there in that um kind of series of flashbacks there where he you know it seems like he's living his life for a son and he's very very happy yep. living his life for a son and then he has the person who tells him that it's not always going to be like this and it the movie almost makes it so after he says uh, after that he's told it's not always going to be like this we learn very quickly that it's not always going to be like this and everything is a little more uh challenging a little more difficult and he's not as um not as joyful anymore yes. Um, I made a I made a, a, a funny maybe not funny but I made a, a, a little reference in my head that this is the saddest face in cinema since the kid from <laughs> Come and See so, uh, <laughs> yeah and and we get to see it quite a bit uh, I'm curious I don't know if I don't know if either of you have looked at this at all um, how old was this actor when when this this film was made because um, um, I, I I'm curious he was fifty. 47. 47. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, he, he certainly was, I'm saying this as someone who's, who's now 40, he wasn't that old <laughs> when, no. this movie was, when this movie was made, but they certainly age him up so that he feels like this world-weary, yep. someone who's been through a lot. And I think he does a, a, a really remarkable job kind of bringing that, um, that presence to life and, and really, really creates this character. Um, he's an actor that, as you'll, as you kind of uh, uh, experience more Kurosawa, you'll see quite a bit. He's okay. just... He's in a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah and just, just a remarkable I think presence. he's in Godzilla, isn't he? I think he might be. I don't recall. I'll have to, I'll have to check that out later. Yeah. Um, any other points about this movie you guys want to hit home before we start to wrap this up? No, I, I was just... Really glad to see it here. You know, a great way to experience it. And hopefully, you know, hopefully this is the first of many more Kurosawa's that I'll be able to see here. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful that, uh, you know, we get some of the uh, I'm sure we jewels will. and the Kurosawa yeah, crown sure. to play here. So, I guess, final thoughts then. Um, just the general, did you like this? If you, if you wanted to rate it, go for it. But, Blake... Yeah, uh, I think I gave it like a four out of five. Sure, um, I thought it was really good. Uh, not my again, not my favorite Kurosawa, but I just saw it. I had to kind of like let it simmer for a bit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I really like it. I think uh, it's. I haven't seen a Kurosawa in years, so this is pretty cool to kind of revisit the, who I think is one of the grand masters of cinema. Yeah, absolutely, Derek. Yeah, I, I'm flirting between a four and a four and a half. Sure. At this point, um, you know, just you know. Kurosawa's, you know, handling of this material, his command of the camera and staging and blocking, you know, I certainly, you know, see enough here. It's like, yeah, certainly this is one of the masters. So, and only I'll, I'll learn more. So yeah. I can't wait for you to see a, f- a select few that I truly, truly love. Yeah, so I, I, I bet they're a bit different than what you think too. Because maybe, yeah, um, you know, I, w- I would love to, to 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 get your reaction after watching High and Low. Uh, um, uh, Ron uh, Rashomon, one of my favorites is Throne of Blood. Like I love Throne of Blood, so 
if you got a chance yeah. to watch that, that would be super I cool. I love Sanjuro, yeah. and uh, I love The Bad Sleep Well. I, one of my favorites. Yeah. So. Those two are ones that I still have not seen, so yeah. I've got to get that. And I <laughs> and Yojimbo is incredible as yeah. well. Uh, and then I think Star Wars was was based on a hidden, hidden fortress, fortress. Yeah, yeah. So. which is another which one. I haven't seen either. Same here. So yeah. uh, we might have to we might have to uh, uh, cover that blind spot here somewhere down the we road. We might have to just do a Kurosawa. Yeah, throw, throw <laughs> Steven an envelope of money at some point. Or Be something. like, here, play this. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. My my thoughts on on uh, Ikaru, uh, I, I I really enjoy it. Um, I, as we were watching it this time through. I know the first time that I saw it, I gave it a four, four tacos, and I'm going to stay there. The, as we were watching it this, this, this time through, the first several sections of it, uh, I was really like, oh, I might have to avocado this movie. I might have to av- avocado this movie. But I'm not as on board with the ending as I think maybe it sounds like you and, guys and are. And just for, for the record. Sure. There is a difference between five tacos and an avocado, just so I know. Yeah, so that's a thing that I've been wrestling with lately, because there is. Because I feel like, and I need, to, I need to, to incorporate this into my TV rating, because I found I'm very easy on a TV show. If I really, really like it, I'm like, yeah, avocado, just lay it out there. But I think for an avocado, it's that upper deck, right? Like, that's, that's upper echelon. So my question to you Lasting is... Impression. Are there any Kurosawa's that, uh, that avocado for you? Oh yeah, uh, high and low. Okay, uh, Throne of Blood. Uh, I, uh, Ron, I think I think everything Kurosawa that I've wow. seen so far wow. is is okay. is up there. Okay. Um, my my embarrassing thing that I always hesitate to admit to, but I do every so often, is that I've seen the first half of the Seven Samurai probably like five or six times. I have never seen the second half yeah. of Seven, Seven Samurai, so I have it's, never finished it. It's it's excellent. Yeah, so I am excellent. I am planning to Although check that off the it's, list. It's, if you've seen Thirteen Assassins, it's just a much less bloodier sure, version sure. than that, which is just a fantastic movie yeah. as well. I, I'm going to petition to see that here too. So. Oh, that yeah, we're going to throw that on the list. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think uh, I think we'll we'll wrap things up there. Yeah, I my wife just place. asked for pizza, so uh, <laughs> it's time. I think I think that's time. Yeah, right I think there. So, so. Well, Derek, thank you so much for for sitting in with us on this episode um where can we find your presence online on social media excellent question um you can find me on the social medias um i've got a letterbox page um avidly updating that uh, frequently um especially with my viewings these days as we're getting new releases again thank goodness um, um you can also find me on the facebook and the instagram i technically have a twitter account but i never post anything there because twitter um and you can also find me contributing to backlot605.com where i do their weekly coming soon article where i desperately try to keep track of every new movie that's coming out um, plus theatrical re-releases, stage showing, special events, etc. So you are making my movie watching very hard. Right, it's not your fault, it's, no. but it, but you're bringing, you're calling to attention all of the things. So it's like, oh God, that's right. Yes. This is coming out. Derek is our Watanabe. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> Just don't die, Derek. Please. <laughs> no, no, please. <laughs> we not. need you. We're not. We're not ready for that. No. We'll never be ready for that. Blake, the same question. Where yeah, can we um, find you on social I'm media? on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. And uh, I also have a letterbox account yeah. uh, under uh, the real John G. And if you know what that movie references, <laughs> wink to you. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't do t- a lot. But yeah. you can 
I'll talk to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just add him as a friend, yeah. or, or just just I'll be your digital friend. Absolutely. Um, you can find my uh, online presence at Fat Dude Digs Flicks on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just do a search for Fat Dude Digs Flicks. You will find me there. I also have a letterbox. We all have. I think we all this week. Uh, Threw up a list of our, our our state theater wish list. I'm working on mine. Working on the state theater wish list, and it's uh, kind of fun to, to to shop and compare and be like, oh, yep, that's right. I'm going to put that on my list, or yeah, that's great. Good thinking, just to kind of be like, oh, this would be a fun thing to see here. Who knows? You know, I say that. Who knows if it'll happen? But Stephen has told us that. Some of our wishes are, are bound to uh, come true. Within 24 hours of posting my list, I knocked one off the list. <laughs> I saw that. So I saw that. That yeah. was very That's nice. Great. Uh, but yeah, and then if you have any questions, comments, concerns, please send an email to fatdudedigsflicks at gmail.com. Uh, send some recommendations our way. If there's, if there's things that uh, you know we haven't spoken of that, that you'd like to hear us say a few words about, uh, please just let us know. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Like this podcast. Rate and review this podcast. You can find Fat Dude Digs Flicks on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, anywhere your pods can be caught. If you subscribe to Fat Dude Digs Flicks, not only will you get the Criterion Break with Andy and Blake, but you will also get Let's Talk About uh, the weekly interview show where I just talk about a movie and I talk about a person's life for two hours. Or, if I'm the guest, three. So, that's fun. Uh, but yeah, just do a search for that podcast and you'll find us there. Thank you so much for listening. Blake, this has been a blast. This was awesome. Derek, this has been a blast. We should probably thank Pleasure. Derek, uh, we, sh- we should thank Stephen. Send a huge, huge shout out to Stephen mm-hmm. uh, for letting us record here in the State Theater. And thank you, State Theater... For all of the awesome movies that you're getting, that's just, it's its made it, it's made returning to the theaters feel just awesome. Just a, a, a wonderful feeling that I had been missing for a year, and now I'm just overjoyed. So, that'll do it for this week's episode. Blake, send us home. Peace out. Yeah! You've been listening to The Criterion Listening to Fat Dude Digs Flicks.